God, we thank you so much for you, for your love for us, Lord. God, I pray um, that all who would hear this, Lord, whether it be in this room or online, that we would come to the realization that truly nothing else will fill us, that truly nothing else is sufficient to make us whole, truly nothing else is sufficient to pay for our sins but you and you alone, Jesus. And so, God, I pray that as we realize this, that our yearning for you would be all the more, not out of obligation, but out of love. Because that is why you came, not out of obligation, but because you loved us. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what it calls us to do, and we pray by your grace, by your spirit, that we would live as you've called us to. God, help us, guide us, guide this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Wayne and I serve uh, as a student pastor here at the table. Um, Bill is uh, on vacation in Cincinnati with his family where uh, apparently um, they got more snow than we did here last week, and so uh, apparently there's some sort of picture of him bragging about it going around, so if you see him maybe for the first couple seconds, just kind of ignore him, don't talk to him. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I hope that he's having a great time with his family. Um, we're going to continue in the series, The Early Years, talking about the life of Jesus before his ministry got started, and so if you haven't had a chance to be with us over these Last three weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to the messages. Uh, Bill did a phenomenal job of teaching us um, kind of who Jesus was before the world got to know who he was. And so um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 3 is where we will be. Luke chapter 3, we're going to read 18, well, 16 verses um, together before we jump into the message. And so uh, Bill has this uh, teaching uh, thing that he learned in seminary, it's, you know, he, you know, Bill's, I won't say, I was going to say he's a lot smarter than me, but then he would use that against me sometime, and so I won't say it, we're going to edit that out of the, the video this morning, but um, he, he says that when you're reading in the Bible and there be, comes up on names that you can't pronounce, you just fake it because nobody else can pronounce it either, um, and so this first verse in chapter three, there's a lot of names that I can't not pronounce. I can't. I just can't do it. And so instead of me reading out loud and faking it, we're just going to read it silent and we're going to pick up together uh, in verse two. So you read it. Uh, on the count of three, we're going to start in verse one together. And you just read it to yourself. It's going to be kind of awkward. But there, I just don't want to get made fun of later for the pronunciation. And so um, go ahead. One, two, three. I'm serious. You're not reading. You're laughing. You can't read and laugh at the same time. During the, priest, the high priesthood of, uh, or sorry, uh, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the world, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written 
in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight and the, the rough places shall become level ways. And all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. And he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you broad of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping your repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? Then he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers asked him, And we, uh, and we what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money for, from anyone by threats or by false accusations. And be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for John the Baptist and his example here in Luke 3. God, I pray that we would know that those who would hear this message would not live as those who make claims to be followers of Jesus, but yet live as those with no fruit in their lives. God, I pray that you would change us forever, not just in a claim that we make, but in a life that we live. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Michael was a uh, manager of a company. And Michael was in a relationship, and this relationship uh, was once a two-income relationship, and then uh, his, his uh, girlfriend lost their job, and now they are a one-income uh, relationship, and their spending habits did not change. Michael and his uh, girlfriend ran out of money, and Michael knew what he had to do. He knew that he had to go, he was, that he was now bankrupt. He had no funds left. And so listening to the wise counsel of some of his friends, he made a loud announcement into his office where he was the manager. He said, I declare bankruptcy. Some of you watched The Office, and so you understand what happened. Michael Scott is the character that I'm talking about who was in a relationship where he and his wife or girlfriend lost all of the money that they had because they continued to spend. And so Michael thought, if I make this declaration of declaring bankruptcy, then that means that I had actually gone, gone out with the formality of actually declaring bankruptcy. That was foolish for him to do that. But he made a claim thinking that if he just said something, that it would actually happen. John the Baptist here is speaking to people who, and speaking this message of God that he learned in the wilderness from God. 
He's speaking the repentance of sin, or uh, this baptism for the forgiveness of sins. He's telling people about the goodness of God, and he's, he's saying to them, this is, who, this is who God is. He's love, he's kind, he's gentle. He wants for you to come to him and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. John is ready and willing to tell people about God. But we find ourselves here in these 16 verses, and John is speaking to this crowd, and he's giving them this message, but his voice is not one of um, gentleness in the way that we would think it be. He says, you broad of vipers, essentially saying, how dare you? So we're going to spend time in these 18 verses uh, today just talking and, and just kind of walking through uh, them step by step, not the verses, so to speak, but kind of a collection of them. But the first thing that I want for us to answer this morning um, is who was slash who is John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus. John, and John knew of Jesus, and he was a forerunner of the Lord. What that means is John, this prophecy that we read in uh, the, the verse, excuse me, verse 4 through, through 6, this prophecy of Isaiah saying he would, he would be the one to proclaim Jesus' coming before uh, Jesus' ministry started. John the Baptist is someone that God used to set the stage for Jesus, to make a path for Jesus, essentially, to tell people about God and this repentance of sin that was to come. John the Baptist was a, a man who was unique. Uh, if you know anything about him, it, the Bible says that he would eat bugs and honey. And when we leave here, we're going to have uh, some for you to grab as you exit the building. Um, not really, but if you, if you want, I think Cody's going to eat some crickets in the, in the parking lot. And so if you want to join him, you can. But John the Baptist was just a unique man, but ready to use, be used by God. So that's who John was. And then today, let's talk about who John is. And, and I know I'm not talking about John the Baptist now, but I want for us to see ourselves in this story. John was before Jesus, and by the grace of God, we are now have come there after the cross in Jesus. John was a believer in God and knew who God was because he met with God. We, those of us who are believers in Jesus, have an opportunity, or now meet with God because of Jesus. We have a relationship with God through the cross, through what Jesus did. And so now, because of Jesus' work, we have this idea of who we are supposed to be. You see, making a claim to know Jesus is one thing, but living a life of repentance and knowing Jesus is another. John is calling out. The second question that I want for us to look at is, who was John talking to? It says, John was talking to a crowd of people who came to him. And they wanted to know how to live. They wanted to know what this new thing that they were hearing about was all about. They wanted to hear from him. And this crowd of people surrounded John. And if you, I know the part that you guys read silently and the part that I read silently, that first verse, those names listed out there are men of, uh, of high popularity, men of high power. See, but, but it's, it points to say that, that God used this man named John in the, who was hidden in the wilderness. And these people surround John and the crowds come to him wanting to know what he's talking about. And John doesn't say to them, hey, get in the water 
and I'll, I'll, I'll dunk you, and then you're free. You're good. He says to them to repent from their sins. Now, to repent means to turn away, to acknowledge that I am sinful, and then to turn away from it and go the opposite way. But John is saying to them, these people, look, you repented, but you didn't turn away from who you were before. This whole idea of uh, John telling them that they bear no fruit in their lives, he's saying to them what was planted at your repentance and at your uh, baptism was one thing, but what is growing now is another. Say, I see no fruit in your life. The claim that you make is an empty one. So who was John? John was the voice crying in the wilderness, make way for the Lord. Who is John today? It's us who are believers in Jesus. Who was John talking to? He was talking to the crowd that was following him, that was coming to him to be baptized for this forgiveness of sins. And who is John talking to today? You know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12 years old. Between 12 and 21, I lived my life like uh, what I call a paper Christian. Like on paper, I was a follower of Jesus. Like if you gave me uh, a test of what it meant to follow Jesus, then I would get the answers right. I would be able to check the boxes on my profiles of whatever social media account. The first word that I would put in there was a Christian so that people could see it and they would just be able to tell, look, there he is, a follower of Jesus. But the fruit in my life, it just depended on the season, honestly, if there was any growth. It depended on the season of, of, of what I was uh, allowing to, uh, to pour into or be, to be planted. It, it just depended on what was going on in my life. There were many a times where I made the claim of Jesus, but I looked nothing like him. John is talking to those of us today who say that we are believers in Jesus, but we have no true faith. Some of us grew up in church, and it's all we've ever known, and I'm so thankful that that is a part of my story, and I want that for my kids. Uh, but at one point in time, I want for them to make their faith their own and not just live off the faith of their parents. But there are many of us who sit in churches who understand the practice of going to church, but we never say yes to Jesus because we want to. Because we have realized his goodness and his love for us and his sacrifice for us, and we say yes to that. I don't think that the Lord is pleased with a practice of coming into a building and sitting and listening for a little bit and then leaving, or leaving unchanged. I think that he deeply desires relationship with us is, is which why he came. And so today I think John's words would be talking to those of us who claim Jesus with our mouths, but won't let him into our hearts. The third question that I want to answer today is, what did John say? What did he say to them? And even, what did they ask of him? As these people were coming to John in a great crowd, coming to him, 
saying, I want what you have. I see something different in you. There is a light that shines in your heart, and I can see it, and I desire it. And John tells them, look, the way in which you are going is wrong. And you can come to God the Father, and he will give you newness of life. But listen, he's calling people out, and he's saying, no longer will I just just wait and watch on the side of the road and say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. But those of you who claim God need to start living like it. Those of you who say you believe need to start living like you believe and no longer just letting it end at your your social media profile. But letting letting, uh, work bear fruit and letting people see God in you. John is very clear to them He says, one who is coming is ready to hold an axe to the root of this tree. Because God desires not just your claim, but he desires your life. That's what he was saying to them, and this is what I believe that he would be saying to us today. Stop putting Jesus' name on things if you are refusing to live for him. Stop telling people that you believe in Jesus and making a claim for him if there is no fruit or repentance in your life. If you are willing to just say something and make a declaration, but there be nothing, all you are doing is ruining in other people's mind the image of the one who loves them. So often we make claims, but we don't live out what we're supposed to. What question do they ask? They ask this question, then what do we do? How do we change it? What are we supposed to do? And John says three three things to them that I think that he would say to us today. He tells them to share. If any of you have two tunics and there is someone without one, then you should give them something that one of the ones that you have. If you know of someone who is without food and you have a plentiful, then that person should no longer be without food. But that person should have everything that they need. God should use you to provide for them if you see them and know them. The next thing he says to them is to be fair. Tax collectors, stop taking what you don't deserve or haven't earned, but be fair to people, be just to people. Know that Jesus and God are about fairness and justice for people, and so we should be too. John is saying, don't cheat people or lie on people. Essentially, John is saying, look at people as image bearers of God, because that's who they are. But when we claim to know Jesus and then we treat people as, other, as anything other than an image bearer of God, then we are just making an empty claim. The Apostle Paul calls it a loud and noisy symbol. There is no good in making a claim of love, making a claim of repentance, saying that you know Jesus, that you love Jesus, but then living completely different. There's no good in that. There's no salvation in that. See, I want to be very clear. It is not us who, because we make a claim and then live a life of repentance and a life of bearing fruit, that it's not us that we become saved. That is not, it's not our work. We don't do anything to earn it. But there is a grace of, of there's a, a gift of grace and salvation that Jesus 
gives, and we do have to receive it. And I tell our students this, we don't work for our salvation, but those of us who are believers in Jesus and know his goodness and his love and his grace and have entered into a relationship with him, we bear fruit from our salvation. We don't, do it because, we don't do it for, we're not working to achieve the, this love of God. We're not working to achieve uh, his, his eternity, but we are working from that because we have received it because he has freely given it. And John is saying here to people, look, God has given you an opportunity to experience forever with him. He has said, look, I will, I'm willing to forgive you of your sins. I will, I will let you enter into my family. I will graft you into my family. I, I will bring you to me. And, and, and all you have to do is receive that. And from that moment, you begin to live for me. It's not that you don't mess up. It's not that we don't mess up. We do. We continue to go to God in repentance of our sins and say, Lord, forgive us, help us bear fruit so that other people will see you. John, is, they've asked the question, what shall we do? And John is saying, do these things, and he learns this from Jesus. And Jesus tells us today, those of us who are the, the, the people who, who are on the, uh, John was the forerunner of Jesus, then Jesus came and died on the cross for the sins of the world, but before he came and died and rose, he lived perfectly, setting this example for us. Bill said this a few weeks back. Stop staring at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. That, uh, that you for, don't stare at the cross and resurrection of Jesus so long that you forget the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus, who we see, who we read him to be in the Gospels, is a, is a person who came fully man and loved people and reached out to the poor and made ways for people who were on the margins of life and looked at people and pulled them close and not kept them at a distance because they didn't look like him, talk like him, come from where he came from, have as much money or whatever it is. But Jesus said, look, I came here to love all people and to bring them close to me. And so John the Baptist here is telling people, look, I don't want to hear claims anymore. Stop saying that you're a believer in God if you don't live like it. I tell our students, for me, I lived like that for so long. It just depended on the day if I was going to live for God. We're called to be a light in this world. And I don't know if when you were a little kid, I'm sure all of you did, once you got to the height where you could, uh, on the light switch where you could just, like, hit it up and down a bunch, right? Everybody here do that? For those of you who said, no, you're lying in church, which is the same as lying outside of church. I never understood why we say that. But, um, but the reality is that, that that's what my life looked like, this on and off switch of living for Jesus. I think for some of us, we do that so often. When we come into church or when we're other, with, with other believers, yeah, we love Jesus. And maybe it's more than a claim then. Maybe it's a life lived for him. But what John is encouraging us here through the lens and the life of Jesus, because he learned from him, he learned from God in the wilderness, he is saying, look, you brought a vipers, no longer live like that. No longer live as a person who is, is really just making a claim outwardly, but inwardly you live however you want to. 
John is saying it must change. Because John is saying that there is one who is coming after me who is far greater than I am. The last thing that I want for you to hear and to see is that question is, where did he get this from? Where did he get this from? In verse 3, I believe, or verse 2, it says that in the wilderness, John met with God. John spent time with the Lord. He knew the heart of God, and he knew that the heart of God was not just for him to spend time with him in the wilderness, but to take that time with God in the wilderness and let it, let it change him forever. I, I really do believe this to be true. A lot of us don't know or don't live for Jesus because we don't spend time getting to know him. A lot of us think that maybe you just got into the practice. I mean, I, I know that I did. This is my story. I got into the practice of coming to church and checking a box, and I thought, man, that was good enough. I thought my attendance check, look, I thought it was good enough. I thought trying to just be, trying to make better decisions than other people was, was enough. And once again, I'm not saying that I have to, you have to do anything to work your way into heaven because that is not the true gospel. The true gospel is that Jesus bled and died for you and for me, and he rose from the grave, and our faith in him alone is what saves us. But it would be so foolish of us to just come in and not be changed by the words that we read. To just make a claim and then to have no life lived out for him. I know we challenge all of us, each other, to do this often, but I believe the challenge remains today. Let us be people who get alone in God's word. And whatever it is, whatever time that we have, whatever wilderness that we can get into, all that just means is that John got away and spent time with God. And we need to do that too. Because I am convinced that in spending time with God, you will get to know him and you will not be disappointed. And as you get to know him, you will fall deeper and deeper in love with him. And here's what I know to be true because of the grace of God in my life. The more I get to know God, the more I get to know who I was created to be. And that the, the easier that it is to be guided by the spirit of God to show off who he is. Listen, the lives that bear fruit, it is not because we are, because those people are, are hardworking and like just because they're diligent and their time spent with God, it is because God is pouring out his love on us and we desire for other people to see it. I remember growing up in church and I would all this, always hear this phrase, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I never clearly understood it until a few years ago when I had an understanding that our lives is to bear fruit so that others see Jesus. Our lives is to bear fruit so that others can, can have a glimpse and taste and see of his goodness. Listen, John was encouraging people. He wasn't saying, look, stay away from me because you're too far gone. But as a crowd surrounded him and they came to him for the repentance of their sins or for the forgiveness of their sins, he said to them, listen, we must just stop making claims and we must start living for Jesus. In the early years of Jesus, we see 
We read this, this understanding, this development of his love and his character, and we see his heart for people. And we see that lived out through the life of John and the, the encouragement and the direction of John that we too who are believers in Jesus must live the same. Today I am asking us that are in this room and maybe watching online, if you make the claim of Jesus, but you don't really live for him, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. Either stop making the claim or get to know him and fall in love with him. I promise you it is better with him than without him. And then we get to live and show people his goodness and show people his love. Let's make no more empty claims about our belief, our faith, but let us be people who trust him who rely on him and who tell people, not just with our words, but with our actions of the goodness of our Lord. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you didn't just make claims. God, thank you that there was action to who you were to who you are, that you didn't just say of your love, but you came and willingly proved it. God, I pray today that we would be encouraged, maybe even convicted by your spirit, if, if maybe if we've just made the claim, but we haven't lived the life. God, I pray today that that would change for many. That the claim of knowing you would be followed up with the fruit of living our lives for you. God, that we would be thankful for the cross and the empty tomb, but we would not just stare so long at that that we would forget your life. But God, as we remember your life and how you lived, we would do the same. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We need you. Guide us, please, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.